Welcome, welcome, welcome to TikToking. I'm your host, Kevin Hughes, and I have a special guest today on the intro. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I have one on the show. Yep. But I also have one with me here in the room, and it's my daughter, Oakley. Oakley, say hi to everybody. Hi. And why are you here, Oakley? Because we played Bing Boozle. Well, we did play Bean Boozle, but I wanted to have you come on because this week was a special week. What what was this week for you? Uh, what did what did you start this week? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. My last young one finally hit kindergarten. That is crazy. How's school going? Good. So you like your teacher? Yeah, her name is Miss Lind. Yeah. Do you have a bunch of classmates that you knew from last year in preschool? Yeah, I only have one. Only her name is Reimer. Oh, Reimer. Well, you're enjoying school. What have you learned so far? Uh, I learned coloring. I learned to do books. I learned to... Um, I learned you learned to do to, books? Yeah. Oh. And I learned to... Hmm... I learned to. You don't know. I learned. <laughs> I learned. Uh, I eat lunch there. Oh yeah, you eat lunch at school now. Yeah, I eat. I I eat their lunch, and now I'm eating my lunch. Awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I'm so happy that I let you come on today. It's so special to me, and you're so special to me. And guess what? You're so special. Oh, thank you. And guess what? We have a special guest on the show today. You know who is it? You want to know who it is? Who? His name's Michael Clark. I don't know him. No, I don't think you know him, but Daddy knows him, and he's very special, and he has a podcast, too. You know what his podcast is called? What? Caught on the Mic. Caught on the Mic? Yeah, and actually, Daddy was on his show. Whoa! Yeah. So if you guys go check out the Caught on the Mic podcast on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the works, guys, check out Caught on the Mic with Michael Clark. Yep. And you will find me on there as a guest. And now I've got Michael Clark on this desk. <laughs> now I've got Michael Clark on as a guest on my show. <laughs> You're messing my words up, baby. All right. So without further... What, honey? Oh, without further ado, guys, this is Michael Clark on TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes, and Oakley. Can you do me a favor, Oakley? What? Tell everybody, can you say, enjoy. Enjoy. TikToking, TikToking, where creators come to play. TikToking, TikToking, find out what Tick-tocking, a tick-tocking, fascinating interview. Tick-tocking, a tick-tocking, tick-tocking with Kevin Hughes. Welcome to Tick-tocking. I am your host, Kevin Hughes, and this week my guest is Michael Clark from the Cut on the Mic podcast. Michael, what's up? 
Hey, brother, thank you for having me on the show. It is a pleasure. I just had you on my show this last week. That was a lot of fun. It's my turn inside the barrel now. Yeah, and you're going to notice, man, it's so cool being on the other side of the table. Like, I liked being the uh, the, the interviewee instead of the interviewer. Yeah. It was kind of a nice change up, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's also fun being able to trade war stories, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so tell us where you're from. Well, I'm from all over. Um, my dad was actually a professional musician before I was born. Um, he did a lot of studio work with some well-known musicians. I'm not going to be Johnny Name Dropper. But before I was born, he went to work for Mercedes-Benz in North America. So I moved all over the United States. I was actually born in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I went from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Kansas City, Missouri to Des Moines, Iowa, from Des Moines to Amarillo, Texas, Amarillo, Texas, to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Denver, Colorado, where my family is from, my parents are from, and then back to Iowa. And then um, whenever I took the leap of faith in the music industry, I moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Now I'm living in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I've lived all over the place. I uh, grew up being the new kid every two to four years. So that's really shaped my story. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I had no idea that your your family was from Denver here. We didn't talk about that. That's cool. No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so um, is that how you're, you're, you got into the music industry because your dad kind of was, you know, growing up, you were in that industry already? Not exactly. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, when you have parents that are really, really good at something – there is like this extra layer, this extra exercise in patience, right? I, I found music when I was like in fourth grade, and my dad let me find it on my own. So I was that kid sitting in his room taping songs. Yes, I said tape. Taping songs off the radio, and um, I always wanted to be a rock star. And, and that was something I came to on my own. But um, my dad was one of those guys that was so good that he was a horrible teacher because he lacked patience. So um, I picked up saxophone when I was in the fourth grade. I played that for a few years. And then I basically became a self-taught guitarist, bass player. I fiddled around with drums. I fiddled around with piano a little bit. But realistically, singing was in my wheelhouse. And I kind of found that late in high school. Okay. So then uh, what in the music industry did you do? Um, exactly. So it was really not a linear path. Um, when I was in high school, I was also really into acting and I got a lot of scholarships to different universities to be an actor, <laughs> but I didn't pursue oh, wow. it because, uh, like all guys that are young and dumb and you can finish the sentence. Um, I stayed behind because of a girl. And so instead of pursuing acting, I decided to form my very first rock band. Now, where I was living in Iowa at the time, I'd lived in big cities my whole life. But when I got to high school, I had moved to a small town. And this town was really a town of only 1,500 people. So I was kind of the odd duck out in, in that position. So if I wanted to put together a rock band, I basically had to settle on whatever drummer I could find in town and whatever musician I could find in town or teach my friends how to play. So uh, my senior year of high school, and this is like 
big long-winded story, but I, I lived on my own. I was supporting myself. I I have supported oh, wow. myself since I was 16. Um, I, I wasn't directly legally emancipated, but I moved out on my own. Um, and I had this house. I don't know how. I, I, I mean, that's a side story in and of itself where um, I was working full-time, going to school full-time, uh, and doing extracurricular activities. Man, that's kind of a miracle in and of itself. But I had this house... <laughs> And uh, me and this drummer kind of started doing this local H thing where it was just the guitarist, me playing guitar, singing, and him drumming. And um, that was my very first band. And I, I don't know if I, I would call it a band, so to speak, but that's kind of how I really learned to play. I, I would sing songs. I would write songs. I would sit on the floor in my boxers learning how to play Beatles songs. And, you know, that's how I found my, my singing voice. So I'm really starting to understand now what you were talking about when I was on your show on how similar our stories are. Like I was never really in a band or anything, but as far as like the acting thing goes right. and and chasing the girl and, and, and all this stuff, it's, it's kind of crazy. So did you eventually get into a band that put you on tour? Yes, eventually at, at one point. Later on down the line, so I moved from this one small town in Iowa where I went to high school to a neighboring small town where there was a music vocation school. So that town was filled full of musicians, and that's really when I put together my very first band. And that band was a, a nine-piece ska band called 40 Sunday. And we played mostly like ska covers, and we would reinterpret songs like we did Black Sabbath, Paranoid, a ska version of that. And oh, wow. one of our very, actually, it was our very last show was opening up for Slipknot right before they went and record their, recorded their debut album. So it was like mere no weeks way. before they went and recorded their debut album. We played at a YMCA auditorium of all places, and that place got fucking destroyed. And uh, <laughs> my dumbass, I thought it was a wise idea at that show to, because we're a ska band, we're upbeat. And that was the kind of the cool thing about Slipknot back in the day is you never knew who was going to play with Slipknot before they were signed. Like they would frequently play with Real Big Fish, The Urge, um, bands that didn't even fit their style, but it brought them a huge audience. So we kind of fit that mold, right? So being a ska band, being these, these upbeat guys, I thought it would be a great idea to throw candy out in the audience during a Slipknot show. And my ass got hailed on by saltwater <laughs> taffy. So that's one of my, my fun memories. But I remember looking off to the side of the stage and seeing um, Sid Wilson breakdancing when we were covering Sublime's Date Rape and Joey Jordison just like bobbing his head the whole time. So that was that's one of my most favorite memories of the early days. But that band came to an end. It was more of a hobby project. And then I decided I wanted to get more serious about it. So where I lived in Iowa, I was equal distance from Des Moines and to Omaha, Nebraska. So I, the option that I had was I could move to Des Moines and be in a heavy band because after Slipknot got signed, everybody wanted to be a Slipknot clone. And I may mean that with all due respect to Des Moines bands. Or I could move to Omaha, home of 311, home of Saddle Creek Records, home of a lot of diversity. And mm -hmm. the dice just kind of rolled for me to move to Omaha. And that's where I put together my first band, 3QE. And I did that band for about four years. 
Okay. So at what point did you say, because you were, you were doing that for about 20 years, you said? Yeah, I was diff- different bands for about 20 years, yeah. So at what point were you like, you know what, I think I'm done with, with the music gig and done with traveling around, and I think I just want to find something local and, and just take care of my family and stay home. So it's funny you bring that up. Um, so I talked about the first band I was in in Omaha was a band called 3QE. Eventually, it mm-hmm. was kind of like this knockoff incubus band if you will um i was really big and like morning view is like probably my most favorite album of all time same here that is crazy <laughs> it's like not even joking. like it is my perfect warm weather album i throw it on it brings me peace it's my most favorite album of all time so my first band was kind of like this incubus knockoff band but i felt like i wanted something more and i wanted something with a little bit more high energy stage show so 3QE morphed into kind of like this band that we didn't really quite have a direction, but it was almost like a throwback Guns N' Roses, Velvet Revolver, uh, Letter Kills style band. And uh, it was called the Reagan era because we, we cited so many 80s influences. And that lasted for about a year. And then um, that one kind of ended tumultuously. And then I moved on to a band called Right Side Impact, which was more along the lines of like your story of the year, your yellow card, kind of hopping on the emo trend and the screamo trend at that point in time. And that band only lasted a year. Now, about the conclusion of that band, I had found out that my first wife was pregnant with my daughter. And I thought the responsible thing to do is to quit being in a band and bear down on work and start providing for my family. So that was the very first time I quit music, and that was about 2006. So I quit completely. Uh, You know, my ex-wife was pregnant, and I spent nine months of her pregnancy, like, sitting on the couch eating hot wings and wheat thins, watching Scrubs reruns, and next thing I know, I'm 50 pounds heavier than what I was when I quit playing in the band. (laughs) So it got to be one of those things where I was stir crazy. And this is where I kind of formed the crown jewel, uh, my final band, which is a band called Aura Sing, um, A-U-R-A-S-I-N-G, named after a badass bounty hunter from Star Wars. And the thing about Aura Sing that I always talk about this being the cruel trick that the world played on me is about the time I start my family and I have way more responsibilities, uh, I end up in the best band I've ever been in. You know? Uh, yeah. It's like our, our, very, our CD release party, one year into uh, being a band, drew over 500 people. You know, wow, yeah, and and we started getting we started getting some radio recognition. We were getting thrown on uh, big shows with all of our favorite bands, bands like uh, you know we were opening for Sick Puppies, the Classic Crime. Um, so we did Arasing for about five years, and um, the very last show that Arasing did to wind up a really long winded story is we ended up in what was called the Rockstar Uproar Music Festival. Um, we played on one of the stages there and, um, Avenged Sevenfold, Three Days Grace, Seven Dust, Hell or High Water. Um, wow. all of these bands were on that show and that was my Super Bowl moment. You know, I, at that yeah. point in time, 
I kind of looked at my life where I was at and I just didn't have the passion for music um, that I had had before. Um, I felt like I was spending more time promoting music than actually playing and writing music. So I knew that the fire had gone away. And so I walked around the venue after we were done playing our set and I'm like, what a gangster thing to do, but to go out on the highest note possible. Yeah. Right? So the very next rehearsal, well, I take that back. We played one more show after that, and it was because we had already committed to it. It was a Halloween show. But the week after that Halloween show, I sat in a vehicle with um, our guitarist and our bass player, and I said, guys, my heart's just not in it anymore. Um, it feels like we're, we're making these massive strides forward, but life is kind of pulling us back and grounding us constantly. I feel like that's a sign to kind of call it a day. And the funny thing was, is listening to them make the same exact confessions about themselves. Oh, wow. So the bass player, the guitarist, and I all went into band rehearsal and we broke it to the rest of the band which was a little bit rocky. It was a little tough because some other guys were like, we're all in. And I, I felt bad, yeah. you know, but that's, that's kind of when I called it a day. Um, I tried to do the solo acoustic thing for about a year and a half after that, you know, because it was easy money. I would go play 45 minutes someplace. I had a draw built in with my name. Um, I'd go play 45 minutes and walk away with 300 bucks. So it was like, <laughs> it was easy money, but even then my passion was dead. And like, I knew that maybe it just, the music was no longer as ingrained in me as it was before. Now it's kind of funny earlier. You mentioned that, uh, you wanted to do the acting thing. And so caught on the mic, the podcast, I would have to say you have the perfect radio voice <laughs> Uh, you, you have that very common sounding like announcer type voice and it's a natural voice. You're not, you know, you're not projecting it or making it up. And the way not only being on the show, but listening to the show prior to when I was on the show, it is such a good show. Thank you. And yeah. And I love the way you do your intros. Um, I love how you take the time to do a little bit of studying for each guest you have on and make sure you incorporate that into the intro. So how did, how did this podcast come about? So when I was done with music, I became a fitness geek and I, I, I just, uh, as a qualifier, um, that kind of coincided with going through a divorce. <laughs> mm -hmm. at the same time i get it 100 <laughs> so i was good about a year after the band broke up i was going through a divorce and i became kind of a fitness a gym rat if you will um so i was in, getting in good shape i was like but the thing that happens when you start taking care of your body you start taking care of your mind a lot more as well so I was finding different things other than music to feed my mind. And that's kind of when I discovered listening to podcasts. Um, I've always been kind of a nerd. I've had a huge nerd side that I, I wave that flag proudly. Um, I had a good friend of mine who was a pro wrestler. Yes, I'm talking like WWE style, AEW style pro wrestler. Awesome. So very good friend of mine that was pro wrestler. 
So I kind of got back into the pro wrestling world, just like going to pro wrestling shows and such. So as a result of that, I started listening to Chris Jericho's podcast. And, you know, it started off really good because his podcast was very similar to where mine is kind of landed, where I'll have some MMA stars and then I'll talk to some musicians and then I'll have some stuff that's some potpourri on the side where mine is kind of, the, you know, or his was kind of that way with wrestlers. He'd have wrestlers mm-hmm. on, he'd have musicians on, and then he'd have some potpourri stuff on the side as well. Um, so that's kind of, I don't want to say that I've cloned my concept off of that because after I outgrew Chris Jericho, I fell into the same thing that everybody else does. Joe Rogan, you know, um, I love the guests that Joe Rogan has on and to back this up a little bit. And I'm sorry if I'm just going on and on and on. No, (laughs) this is your show, buddy. (laughs) But, uh, to back this up a little bit, when I was in high school, I was doing acting competitions for high school. And one of the things, one of the events that I would participate in was an event called radio news. And that's where I would go into a room by myself, microphone in front of me, and judges were in another room and they would listen to me. I always did really well with radio news. You go in, you read copy for about two minutes, and then you get your ratings. Well, I was always getting nominated for Allstate uh, in the state of Iowa for radio news. I, I just was naturally good at it. So fast forward to years later, the heat of the pandemic I had been contemplating starting a podcast for probably five years at that point, but I just, I don't know. I always had a bad perception of podcasters and I don't know if that makes sense, but I always at first, and this is wrong and I am going to own that this is wrong, but I always viewed it as kind of a narcissistic endeavor, you know, Mm -hmm. guys trying to constantly put themselves over. And, and so I think that's kind of also influenced my approach to podcasting is like, you know, I need to put somebody else over, you know, you want somebody to invest in you, you got to invest in them first. So at the point when the pandemic rolled around, I was really um, off my routines, you know, the gyms were shut down. So I wasn't going to the gym as much. I couldn't motivate myself to work at, work out at home socially it just everything was kind of enclosed it felt like everything was closed off around me as a divorced father whose kids live 40 minutes away from him you know there were times where I would have to miss out on times with my kids because I had been exposed or they had been exposed or you know there was some sort of protection barrier there so realistically starting a podcast was my way to reconnect with the world So I started it in September of 2020 and I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew enough about audio engineering to like make sure that if I'm coming out of the gate, I have to come out of the gate with something I would want to listen to. You know, it's like I can't cater to somebody else. I would have to want to listen to it. And I think everybody else would fall in line with that. So that's kind of how that concept kind of all came about. It's just years and years and years worth of different experiences and influences and coagulating all of that together to formulate my own show. And something you mentioned to me and asked me about on your show was uh, pod fading. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, basically where 
you start losing interest in your podcast and people start losing interest because basically um from what i understand it's it's kind of like the same thing over and over and people just kind of get tired of it and move on to the next one and and you mentioned that you were a little worried about that sometimes and can you explain to me like what worries you about it I think it's what worries me about it is the fact that you are not going to find a harder critic of me than me, you know, uh, like somebody can throw insults at me all day long and that's not going to bother me as much as the things that I think about myself. So I think a person fails to move forward when they stop challenging themselves. Okay. So being my own worst critic, what worries me is if I've had like a week where I haven't, we're a content driven world. We're not only a content driven world, but we are an instant, instant gratification driven world to where if you're not constantly putting something forward, people will forget about you and move on to the next guy. So I really think about the minutia of those types of details. And that's where I start to worry about the whole pod fading things settling in. The nice thing is, is I've never lost interest in the podcast. So I've always been able to rescue myself from what I perceive to be a personal rut. But, you know, knowing that people have options, it helps keep you sharp. Yeah. Yeah, so I think of it that same way, and it's kind of, for me, if I've committed myself, so I just hit my one-year anniversary for this podcast. I I launched September 1st, 2021, and for me now, when you ask that question, and I meant to say this, but after a year of dedicating so much time and not losing interest at all, I'm kind of like, you know, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened already, yeah. you know, at least, at least on my end. And, um, one thing that I remember when I first started this podcast, so I'm, I'm from a smaller town, at least it was smaller growing up and now it's huge, but everybody kind of knows everybody from like my class and everything. We all still kind of see each other on Facebook. And when I first decided to do this podcast, you know, I put it on Facebook and some people I, I could tell it was kind of like, oh, here we go. Another podcast. Like, right. you know, it was, it was there was no real love towards me. It was kind of like, well, it's, you know, that's a really hard industry. Like you won't make it type of deal. And I just had a week ago today, I had my my 20 year high school reunion and every single person there, me and my wife were walking around every single wow your podcast is doing really good like good for you like i'm so proud of you and it's like you know and and it really made me feel not only like i proved everybody wrong but also like i know if i set some set my mind to something i can achieve it and and it just made me feel really good to to see other people noticing how hard i've been working have you encountered any of that with your podcast yeah it's so for me, it's very similar and it's very different in the, sa- in the effect that those same people in my life and in my world have seen me do the band thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it probably was when it first emerged, it was probably an eye roll moment. We're like, oh, here we go again. You know, I thought he was done with this shit, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, is they were my first fans. 
And that's because I, you know, my first couple of guests, and this was very intentional, like within the first 10 episodes were people close to home. Like they're, they're people close to my area, people close to my social circle. So that was me kind of making my investment in them so they would return, make that investment in me. And when I switched things, because as we talked about on, on your episode of my show, um, I got about 10 episodes in and realized, oh shit, we're still in the heat of a pandemic. I'm being kind of socially irresponsible, like asking people to come to my house or asking to go to other people's houses to record a podcast. That's when I went remote with my show. And I was always leery about going remote with it because mm. I'm an audiophile nerd. Like I know the best fidelity is an in-person podcast. You know, that is the, the easiest to edit. It's, it's going to sound the best. So I was really apprehensive about it. But what I didn't realize is the world that going remote was going to open up to me. It was going to allow me to um, knock on the door of some of those connections that I had made when I was playing music and some of the other industries that I had been in, you know, being friends with some MMA guys and knowing a few documentarians here and there. And, and so it was, it was kind of crazy. I think that's when people really started to notice that, oh, shit, this guy's doing it for real. You know, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this isn't just Mike and his friends. This is, this is Mike and, and the world. So, right. you know, I, I don't get a lot of direct feedback, um, which we're human. We want to hear direct feedback from people, especially the people Absolutely. that we care about. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we want people that we know we grew up with to say, Hey man, I listened to your show. Your show's fucking awesome. Sorry if I'm cussing too much, but uh, oh, no. <laughs> your show's awesome. And, um, you know, I, I loved seeing what you're doing. And to me, that's some of the best compliments I can receive. They don't happen very frequently, but when they do, they are grand. Um, yeah. Just this last week, a girl I went to high school with, she is now a school teacher in Washington. She's trying to coordinate it with the, the communications teacher in Washington at the high school she teaches at for me to speak to their classroom about podcasting. So, I mean, if that's not a compliment in and of itself, and that that's a good indicator to me that people are noticing and that, that I'm doing a good thing. Yeah. And isn't it crazy? It's to that point now to where they want to start teaching children about podcasting. Like it's becoming this whole crazy industry that I never thought it would reach. I mean, I've always been a fan of of good of a good morning show on the radio, right. you know, and and basically that's what a podcast is, right? It, it's like a it's a good morning show that that the radio supplied for many many years, and when they started, someone based I don't know who started it. I, I, I've heard him his name before, but I cannot remember. Basically, when he's like, you know what, I'm just going to start my own show in my basement and see how it does. And it, and it completely transformed what we know as radio today. Because, I mean, even radio shows are kind of dwindling away and everybody's starting their own podcast. Yep. And um, I think it's because, you know, with morning shows, you're kind of stationed in just your local area. Where unless you're like someone like Steve Harvey or Big Boy or someone like that, right? But 
podcasting, you're on these platforms and and really out in the whole world. So I think it just opens up a whole new 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 book, basically, like you were saying. And what do you think has really made you want to stick to podcasting? Like what has been the most fun about podcasting for you? It's connecting the dots from one guest to the next. It's the hardest part. I, I will admit that 110%. Chasing people down and holding people to a schedule or, you know, I mean, shit. I mean, we even had a tough time trying to coordinate. And we're, we're yeah. working collaboratively with one another about this, right? Yeah. But, but the scheduling part is the toughest part. But at the same time, it's one of the most rewarding things, too. Because once you capture that guest in your net... That episode is in the can. You get to move on to the next one. And it's just kind of, it's like playing Pac-Man to a certain degree, right? You're just mm-hmm. catching all those pebbles as the ghosts are, are ca- chasing you. And um, I find that super, super rewarding. It's the thrill of the chase. And some of the relationships I've built as a result, like I am now friends with a lot of the people that have been on my show. Um I work a lot with Elevation Fight Team based out of Colorado. And last time I got I went out to Colorado, I got to see a who's who of the UFC in their practice space, you know? Wow. And and like in real time, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm watching Justin Gaethje rib on Curtis Blades, and I'm like, is this real? Is this my life? Yeah. And this is a result of the podcast, you know? Um the half the contestants on this last season of the ultimate fighter, like have done my show and I have personal relationships with these people to where I'm shooting them back and forth texts on a pretty regular basis. That's rewarding. Um, Mm -hmm. getting to talk to bands, uh, or people from bands like Adam from story of the year, um, band that influenced the last band I was in. That was rewarding. So it's the, culmination of a lot of things for me okay is this a stepping stone for you like can you like in the next five years where can you see yourself going with with this do you see yourself continuing the podcast or do you want to do something like ufc announcing or what's the next five years look like that's a that's a really good question as well because i can't define that you know i Mm -hmm. ideally very much very close and akin to you wouldn't it be amazing that if you could turn your podcast into your day job, mm-hmm. how awesome would it be to do something you wake up every day and absolutely love, right? So yeah. if there's a progression towards that, awesome. But if I didn't learn anything else from the band days, it's not to set your expectations so high that you end up setting yourself up for failure also. Right. You know, you can be hypercritical of yourself if you're not meeting certain benchmarks and end up destroying your work in the process. And that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned and didn't make peace with until I was done playing music. Right. It's like how many good opportunities did I squander away because I was being over analytical about it and by setting that goalpost in such an unrealistic position that I couldn't achieve it. So for me, it's, it's many milestones. It's like, what can I do to make next week's episode the best episode 
to date? What yeah. can I do to like m- grow my audience by X number of people next month? And I think those are more realistic and tangible goals that'll, you know, it's the small movements that make the big difference. And yeah. so I don't really want to commit myself to where it's going to be in five years. If I best case scenario, yeah, this podcasting gig leads to a lot of shit. Like maybe I do some public speaking, maybe I do some announcing, maybe I land a radio gig, you know, or maybe I get to do podcasting for a living. Um, but if those things don't happen and I'm still having joy doing this the way I'm doing it now, that's awesome too. Now, one thing you asked me, and I want to ask you the same, do you have that one big get that you are trying to have on the show? <sighs> yes and no. Um, you, if you would ask me when I started, okay, who's your all-time guest that you would love to have on the show? I would tell you, I would have told you, okay, on the male side, it's Dave Chappelle. On the female side, it's Nikki Glazer would love to have a conversation with either one of them. Right. Yeah. But being more realistic about it. And now that I'm in these waters where I am kind of like, I'm literally beside myself with talking with people like Adam Russell or Steve Ewing from the urge or, or some of these UFC guys, it's really hard to define that right now for me. Um, I, I think I'm just, happy that I'm getting who I got. You know, I've, I've got a lot of active conversations and some phone numbers in my phone that I wouldn't have believed myself if I would have told me three years ago that that was happening. But yeah, but you know, I, I just kind of have to, again, it's, it kind of goes back to that. I need to look at one week ahead as opposed to one year ahead. So I don't really have that one big get guest anymore. I have several and they're all works in progress. Okay. So now let's let's kind of turn to social media a little bit. Now, I know you have TikTok. I know you have Instagram. And it's all dedicated to your podcast. So did you really become a social media person bef- like after your podcast? Or have you always kind of been connected in the social media world? So social media is my best friend and my worst enemy. Uh, I'm going to make a confession to you that I've never really made publicly before. If I didn't have a podcast, I would probably shut down all of my social media. You know, I honestly think that social media single-handedly has become the most divisive um, piece in our society right now. It mm-hmm. was it was created for good. It was created to connect people. And all it's, all it's done is divided people unless you're watching it for entertainment, right? Yeah. So tail into the bands is when, you know, Facebook was really taking off, you know, tail into the band days. And you could get a good audience to your rock shows by promoting with Facebook. Uh, after I was done with bands, that's kind of the dawn of Instagram and TikTok being really still kind of new for the most part, really didn't take off too hardcore until uh, the pandemic. So I've always had personal accounts because I've lived in so many cities. You know, my family's scattered all over the place, but I've never really, aside from the band days, really used it as a device to promote myself. Mm -hmm. So 
I try and keep the podcast component and the personal component separated unless it's podcast content related. So like on my, my podcast Instagram, I interact a lot with MMA stars. So if my kids do really well in a Taekwondo tournament, I might throw a picture of me and my kids holding up their medals, you know, because that's relevant to the podcast. Right. But if I'm on a family vacation and my, my family and I are kicking it, that's going to go to my personal accounts, you know, because, because that's my, that's my personal life. You know, I want to keep that circle smaller. I think the challenge that I'm having with social media is that podcasting is still such a niche form of entertainment that it's really hard to get full on engagement that translates to actual podcast plays. So, you know, a lot of what I do to promote the podcast through my podcast um, social media is like teasers. You know, I'll, I'll make a one minute video where I just kind of make a statement about something or I make a video every time somebody does an episode of my show, I'll make a, Hey, brand new episode, blah, 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 blah. And I'll, I'll, I'll promote that person. And the goal with that is to, you know, have their audience see that and engage with that content and just to kind of keep myself accountable. It's the, it's the same form of accountability that a soldier has with making his bed every day. You know, he does that to build a routine and to build a sense of consistency. And that's, that's kind of why I engage with my social media to that accord. I've not found the key to unlocking algorithms. And there have been a few times where I feel like maybe I did dial in on something and got shadow banned really quickly, but that's a different subject altogether. (laughs) Yeah. So I saw you on on live for the first time last night, actually, and you you said something, and I was kind of curious about it. You said, "Let's get five thousand likes." Like that's our goal in here is to get five thousand likes. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you discovered has once you get to that five thousand likes, it brings in a bigger audience? Yes. So okay. I don't know if it's a rule. And I am going to put this qualifier out there and say this is more a Mike Clark theory than it is a TikTok fact. But if you're doing a live on TikTok, the more likes you get, the more people's for you pages you start to show up in. Mm. And the general rule of thumb that I found specifically on peak days, man, I'm going to sound like a total douche here. But specifically on peak days, if you could get a certain number of likes in your TikTok live, all of a sudden your rooms will start flooding with more people. Uh, I did one on a Saturday night. uh, Oh, it was about two months ago. And I had had the same 10 people in the room for about an hour. And the thing is, is I don't care if there's five people in the room. I don't care if there's 500 people in the room. I'm going to engage the same way. You know, those five people are worth just as much as the 500 people. You know, yeah, and if they're engaging with you, they're probably going to listen to your podcast and probably continue to follow you and continue to follow your podcast. But what the thing was is I got to an hour. Uh, There's probably 10 people in the room. I was at 5,000 likes. And then all of a sudden I got up to 40 people. So I'm like 10 to 40 people. Then it drops down to like nine people. And mm. then I'm like, okay, it's probably time to call it good. So I'm an hour and a half in. 
and I'm like, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off. And then all of a sudden, that nine people jumped to twenty people. Then that twenty people jumped to thirty people. That thirty people jumped to forty people. Then that forty people jumped to four hundred people. And I was wow. on that TikTok live for three hours. Three freaking hours. And I think <laughs> I gained like fifty new followers just by doing that. And it's like, well, that's that's a worthwhile time investment. Because I do notice a correlation between doing those lives and my podcast play statistics. So if I will check my play statistics on Monday, do a live Monday night, and then check them Tuesday afternoon, and I get a lot more plays off of doing those lives. So it's just being consistent with your content. Is it hard for you while you're on your live to keep a steady conversation with basically yourself talking about your podcast. I mean, I found it's very difficult for me. Like I, I struggle with just sitting there talking about, Oh, Hey, you know, over and over what my podcast is about. Right. Does that ever happen to you? Yes. Uh, On some of the early ones that I did. Absolutely. I was like, man, I feel absolutely stupid. But the one thing that TikTok has that Instagram doesn't is it has this little box on the bottom of the screen that allows you to put up polls or put up questions so you could stimulate conversation. That night that I got 400 people in the room was the very first time I used that. So if I was starting to run dry on content, I'd push that box, generate a question, and people start like engaging with that question. So you start having a conversation with people. They're typing it out, you're talking it out, and you start engaging with people. And the next thing you know, they're starting to ask you about you. So then it's like, there's no need for this extra question anymore because the podcaster becomes the podcastee, you know, yeah. very similar to what you and I have done here. Yeah. Well, this is amazing, man. I, I'm so happy that, that I had you on and we got to do this show swap. I had so much fun on your show, honestly, and not to be offensive to anybody, but your show was probably the the funnest podcast I have done. Um, Thank you. So it's been a lot of fun, but I have some lightning round questions. If you're cool with doing those, bring them on. All right, man. So if you won the lotto, what would be your first purchase? I, this is going to sound like so middle-aged man answer. I'd pay off everything that I owed money on. (laughs) No, that's, Hey, you know, most of the time people are like, I would go buy a mansion or a boat or, nope. you know, something crazy. Nope. I pay off money. I pay off everything I already owned and then figure it out from there. All right. That's amazing. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh, I've got a lot. You know, my one of my favorite movie lines is from The Avengers. It's, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Um, oh, Yeah. <laughs> But, um, no, I think lying ultimately is my biggest pet peeve. Um, pathological liars, like people that just can't be forthright with something like I would rather, I I, I tell people that work for me this all the time. I would rather be mad at you for five minutes for making a mistake than you make a mistake and try and hide it and lie about it. Right. So, so liars really get under my skin. Okay. Now, is there a movie that you can think of that kind of relates to your life? 
I don't know that there's a movie that correlates really well with my life, but there is a, a movie that I have a really strong emotional connection to, um, and that would probably be Garden State, the Zach Braff movie. I, oh, yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I champion people being in touch with their mental health, and that t- hits a lot of touch points in it. And so, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Who is your celebrity crush? Hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's any uh celebrities I've creeped on on social media lately. <laughs> it always changes. It, it, it doesn't doesn't it for you? Does it change over time? Like I remember in high school it was Gwen Stefani. Like yeah. back in the no doubt days before she was a, a solo performer. In high school it was Gwen Stefani and for a while it was Katy Perry. Um, God, currently, oof, God, what's that? What's Kate Upton? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. Cause like, I always remember my very first celebrity crush and, and I don't know why, like, and I've kind of gone through phases like that too. Like it was Jessica Alba for a little bit. It was Jessica Biel. I like the Jessica's apparently. But um, my very first, Tiffany Amber Thiessen nice. from Saved by the Bell. Nice. And uh, for some reason, I've just always, like, that never goes away. That one never changes. So yeah, I completely get that. Alyssa Milano now, was my very first one. Oh, yes. From uh, a movie the she was in with. Yes. But she was in uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, too, uh, with uh, him Commando. and Jamie Lee Curtis. No, no. Was it, it wasn't Commando. What was it? No, was Eraser? In? Was it Eraser? I don't remember. Maybe. Ah, I can't remember either. Uh, anyway, speaking of remember, uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, you know, I tell a lot of people that know the intimate details of my personal life, uh, how I was brought up, because, you know, that's one thing uh, I'm, I'm an open book about. You know, I didn't have a very good childhood. Uh, obviously, I was on out on my own by the time I was 16. Um, life has given me every opportunity to be a, be, be a statistic. You know, guys with my backstory are usually guys that end up in jail, end up addicted to something, you know, end up, you know, living in a gutter someplace. Excuse me. But I overcame all of that, and I always fought through it and came out better for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I always did that because of my why. And my why is my kids, my family, and knowing that tomorrow is going to be a much better day than today was. Yeah. All right. And lastly, who is your favorite TikTok creator? Mm, damn. Oh man, I don't know. Damn, that's a hard one. There's so many that like I'll get lost in there. You know, I've had a bunch of TikTok like you. I've had a bunch of TikTokers on my show, so I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. Um, God, there was a guy that was making videos pretty consistently. Ah, Bryant Chambers, and he doesn't make as much videos anymore. And do you know, did you ever see any of his videos? Uh, 
not, the name doesn't sound familiar, maybe, but it doesn't sound too familiar. I, I think he's an ex-vet, and he had he made a really good video that I saved to my phone. It was all about duality and cognitive dissonance. And mm. I, I love leadership-driven stuff and kind of getting in the minutia of the mind. So when I talk about my podcast, one thing I do say is politics and religion are off limits on my show. Like, because uh, you are an individual and so is everybody else. Like, right. if you want to share your beliefs, great, but I'm not going to engage in those, right? Because yep. I think those are unique to you and my opinions may differ and we can still be friends if we have differing opinions. That is an example of cognitive dissonance and duality. And so he made a video about that and I'm like, I saved that to my phone and I absolutely love it. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, Michael, I appreciate this so much. I appreciate us doing the show swap and uh, I had a blast on yours. I hope you had a blast on mine. Dude, this is the best. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great and it's cool to get to know you. And, you know, I just realized and I haven't even given you my, my phone number or anything. So I'm going to have to message you so we can keep in contact. And yes. Just on Instagram. And uh, hopefully, maybe one day we can meet up and and do this in person again. You know, dude, we can we can we have a world full of time to do more collaborations yeah. in the future. Like shit, how many times has Rogan had Cameron Haynes or David Goggins on his show? Come on, man. Exactly. <laughs> well, right on, man. Well, thank you for your time and doing this, and uh, it's been a it's been a blast. It's it, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. All right, you take care. with Kevin Hughes. What an amazing and extraordinary guy Michael is. He was so much fun. And tell me, tell me, he doesn't have the most perfect radio voice. If you guys haven't seen or checked out the Caught on the Mic podcast, you need to go check it out immediately it's so good he has some amazing guests on there myself being one of them not trying to brag or anything but i was and it was so much fun and you guys are going to love that podcast and i hope you loved this episode as much as i did what a great guy so as always i'm gonna have another fabulous guest on the show next week and if i don't see you good afternoon good evening and guess what guys Good night.